Thank you for thank you to everybody for accommodating my uh, schedule switch. Uh, we uh, left off last time in the Gemara and Brachos and Daf Lamed Vavam and Aleph, and the Gemara there uh, we were in the middle of talking about what do you do with caper, what brachos do you make on caper, caper berries, uh, and I observed last week that uh, I, I have some real questions. Certainly, Telix's diagrams, botanical diagrams, don't match exactly uh, in terms of the Kafrisim. Uh, because the Kafrisen, as you're about to see, will become very clear or regarded as Shomer and Lepri. But as best as I can tell, that at least what he labels as Kafrisen are actually something different. It's the flower buds before they open. That's not a Shomer at all to the Aviona, which is the real Pri, what they call now, I think, uh, caper berries. And, and th- those things that open into the flower buds, you catch them first, they're called capers. So the name Kafrisen would make sense with that, but who knows? So we're gonna, I'm just gonna work with the Gemara's assumption. Um, it's fair to say, by the way, that in the Gemara, well, I mean, certainly, well, in the Mishnah, they certainly knew what it was because, uh, in the Mishnah, they had capers. I mean, they actually had them live. I don't know where ours grow. You can get them in the supermarket, but for all I know, they, they, they may not be grown on this content, or they may be, I don't know. So we had seen, uh, a couple of point data points where we have to pick up with. Number one, uh, the initial Bryce said that the Gemara had quoted was that there are four parts to a um, caper bush that might be eaten. Two of them get a baripriyadama, two of them get a baripriyayit. Two that get a baripriyadama are the olin, the leaves, which are apparently edible, and the uh, tamaros, which I'm really not sure what they are. There's some kind of growth berries. I'm not sure what they are. Literally, the word means dates, but I don't know which part it corresponds to. So those get a baripriyadama, and then... Uh, the Kafrisen and the Avionos, the Avionos are the real free, and the Kafrisen, again, at least according to the Gemara, is going to be the Shomer and the free, the thing that sort of protects the fruit at one stage or another. Um, the Gemara will ultimately say only at the, maybe at the very early stage uh, of its growth. So those two, those two items get a Bore Priya 8. <clears throat> so the Gemara then quoted a statement of Rab who said that in Chutzlaaret, uh, if you have a caper bush that's orlites within the first three years, so you're not allowed to eat the fruits, you, you are zoricus avionos, you throw away the, what is really the fruit, and you're ochalas a kafrisen, you can eat whatever the kafrisen are. So that would, so the Gemara challenges that because that suggests that kafrisen are not actually a pre. If kafrisen were considered another part of the pre of the caper bush, then it would be subject to the rules of orla, and it would be prohibited. So the Gemara challenged Rav's statement, Rabbi Yehuda Amarav's statement, uh, and the answer the Gemara came up with that is actually a machlokas, Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Eliezer have a dispute as to which part, which produce of the caper bush you have to separate tithes from. You have to separate trumos and maestros. And Rabbi Eliezer said that you have to separate from everything except for the olam, except for the leaves, meaning the tomorrows the Kafrisen, and the Avionos. Rabbi Akiva says that you only separate from the Avionos, Trumas and Isis. Now, Trumas and Isis on the caper bush is only the Rabbanon, um, but the Gemara suggests that since Rabbi Akiva is the lenient opinion in Eretz Yisrael, uh, then the rule is by agricultural mitzvahs, the general rule, is that whenever there's a dispute as to whether a particular aspect of a mitzvah, the commandment connected to the, uh, uh, to the, to the land, a mitzvah hatsuya ba'aretz, whenever there's a dispute within Eretz Yisrael, while we might be stringent within Eretz Yisrael, 
we will be lenient in Chutzlaret since virtually everything of an agricultural nature in Chutzlaret that we require is rabbinic in nature. Not everything, but almost everything. So the Gemara here ultimately says that Rav Yehuda Amarav's position would be that he's poskening in Chutzlaret like Rabbi Akiva's opinion because you follow the lean opinion in Chutzlaret. And it certainly sounds from the Gemara that Rab did not accept Rabbi Akiva's opinion in the land of Israel. I'll come back to that in a little bit. Um, but it seems that Rab only accepted Rabbi Akiva's leniency, that only the avionas are considered the produce that requires even from the He accepted that only in, Rab accepted it only in Chutzlaret. Okay, so now the Gemara asks the following question. There was the last point that we had read, that halamekim ha'aret, Anyone who's lenient in thin eretz Yisrael, halacha So now we're up to the ninth, the tenth to last line. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, no. Where are we? Uh, we're up to, I'm sorry, Ravina. Uh, the last word on the uh, eighth line from the bottom. Which side? On so the Gemara says that Ravina Ashkuche Lamar Baravashi, the Kazarik Avionos, the Kaasal Kaprishim. So he found him doing that which Rav, in fact, had said is permissible. So Amar Le, my Daikas. So Ravina said to Mar Baravashi, so what exactly are you thinking when you're doing this? Kirabi um, Akiva, Demekil, you're basically adopting the lean's opinion. From, in Eretz Yisrael is the one you're adopting in Chutzlaret. If that's what you're looking for, the most lenient opinion, something which for some people is a popular approach, so then the Le'avid Mar you should follow, don't follow Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva is a big mach here. He's a Haredi here. You should follow Beishamai's opinion. What is Beishamai's opinion? So the Gemara explains the following, quotes the following, it's none. Sloth. If you have uh, a caper bush, uh, it should be the Tanya. The Tanya, if you have a, a caper bush, Tzlach, Veishamai Omrim, Kilayim Bekerem, Uveishilol Omrim, and Kilayim Bekerem. There's a dispute between Veishamai Veishilol, where the planting a Tzlach, a caper bush, in the vineyard is considered Kilayim. Now, what is this dispute about? So you have to remember that when it comes to uh, Kiloi HaKerem, vineyard uh, forbidden mixtures, so Fruit trees you're allowed to plant in the vineyard. You want to plant an apple tree in your, in your vineyard? That's perfectly fine. I don't know if it's a good practice from a botanical perspective, but from a halachic perspective, it is not a problem at all because there's no problem with planting fruit trees in your vineyard. It's two fruit trees together. As long as you're not grafting them, you're fine. What you're not allowed to plant in the vineyard is either species of grain or species of vegetables if you rough those. So uh, a grain would be grain, uh, things that you plant, that, you know, uh, leg- legumes, Things that are not fruits, you're not allowed to plant in the vineyard, and potentially can become kilayim in in the vineyard. So Beishtila says there's no problem planting sloth in a vineyard because sloth is a fruit tree, and therefore it's fruit tree in a, in a vineyard, no problem. Beishamai says that you're not allowed to plant it in a vineyard. The next thing, though, the, the Brisa says is elu ve'elu modem They both agree that you have to treat the caper bush as arma. So the Gemara immediately says, before even getting to the point that it's making, Hagu Fakasha, there's an internal contradiction here in Beishamai's position. On the one hand, Amris, Tzlach, Beishamai, Omen, Kilayim, Bekerim. Beishamai says that you're not allowed to plant Tzlach in a Karen. Alma, from this we see, 
min ilan hu. It's uh, 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 min yerek hu. It's a kind of vegetable. So that's nice. But when you plant vegetables, if you plant tomatoes, the tomatoes that grow in the first year, which is basically, that's how tomatoes grow, we don't say, even though I know somebody's going to chime in and say, oh, by the way, you know, tomatoes technically are a fruit. Suppose I have no idea what the difference truly botanically between a fruit and a vegetable is, but tomatoes are fruit. But tomatoes are vegetable. You replant them every year. If tomato, if they were Orla, you wouldn't be able to ever eat them because every year you planted them, it would be the first year. So if Beishamai, on the one hand, says sloth is a, is a yerek, and therefore you can't plant it in the vineyard, how do they turn around and say that it's subject to the strictures of Orla? So the Gemaras, to that problem, the end of the third to last line on the page, Holokasha, that's not a problem. Beishamai sepuke misafkelehu. Beishamai actually were not sure about the caper bush. Is it because it grows so low to the ground? I think Levinion explains that. It grows so low to the ground that you might think it's really kind of like a vegetable. Or because this, because the wood stem remains there from year to year, even when it, di- even when, the, uh, you know, the leaves die back during the winter season. So then it's a tree. So Beishamai weren't sure. And therefore, So in Eretz Yisrael, Beishamai was machmir in both directions. You're not allowed to plant it in the Kerem, because Kamaya Kerem is an Isidarais in Eretz Yisrael. And you have to treat it as if it's Orla, as if it's a fruit, because Orla in Eretz Yisrael is, again, maybe it's because it's Doraisa, maybe because Beishamai is just stringent. So that's Beishamai's position. But what are the implications for Marbaravashi and Ravina for this discussion? So the Gemara says, Mikolokom, second to last line at the end, Lebeishamai, Havale Safek Orla. Lebeishamai, since, what is, what is a caper bush in Kutzlarek? Is there Orla or not? The answer is, we're not sure, because it depends. If it's a vegetable, if it's yere, so then there is no obligation of Arlo. If it's a tree, then there is. It's a, uh, then it is, there is an obligation of Stephen Arlo. And the rule is that whenever it comes to Suffolk Arlo and Kutzlaaretz, all Suffolk Arlo and Kutzlaaretz is treated as Muslim. As the Gemara says, it's none. Safek Orla, the Eretz Yisrael is Asr, as you would expect, because Sveka the Reis of a doubt within a scriptural law, is a Torah prohibit, is prohibited. Uve Surya, Syria, which was Minha Torah, not part of Eretz Yisrael, but rabbinically it was. Uve Surya Moto. If you're dealing with a Safek Orla, which means 50-50. Normally we said, we talk about two categories, Safek and Rome. Suffolk means it's 50%. It could be even less than that. That may be called a miyote. But let's say Suffolk or law, meaning if it's a Suffolk, whether it's 50% probability that's prohibited, then in Eretz Yisrael it's prohibited, but in Surya it's permissible, 50%. Uvachutz Eretz, if you're not in Eretz Yisrael and you're not in Surya, but you're actually in something that would be considered solidly chutz Eretz, yoreid v'lokeach, you're allowed to go to the vineyards, Buy it from the guy, as Rashi says, the person who is suspect of selling Orla. So the guy who sells tree fruits, okay, but you don't see him pick it from the tree. If you don't see it pick it from the tree, if you don't know with certitude that these are fruits of Orla, then it's mother. You have to understand that when we say that Suffolk Orla and Kutzlaritz is mother, it's not just Suffolk. It's not just 50%. Orla and Kutzlaritz is permitted unless it's Vada'i Ola. The bottom line 
is that Beishamai's position is that the caper bush is not specific whether it's really considered a tree. And if it's not definitely a tree, then in Chutzlaaretz you should adopt Beishamai's position and say, oh, since it might not be a tree in Chutzlaaretz, you do not have to observe the laws of Arla. So, Mar Baravashi is saying to Ravina, look, if you are looking to find the most lenient sheen in Chutzlaaretz and argue that you should paskin that way because that's how we paskin by agricultural mitzvahs, we follow the opinion, why don't you just follow Beishamai and don't worry about Arla at all? Enjoy the avionos as well. The Gemara answers, Rabbi Akiva b'makom Rabbi Eliezer avdinon kivasei, but uve shamai b'makom b'silol enamish. So this is an interesting statement. The second part, you'll notice, by the way, that these two formulations are not exactly the same. Um, but that is not, in other words, it doesn't say Rabbi Akiva b'makom Rabbi Eliezer mishnah, or Rabbi Akiva b'makom Rabbi Eliezer avinon kivase. We follow him. We do like him. Uveshamay b'makom b'silo. Uveshamay b'makom b'silo. Lo avinon. We don't do. The Gemara uses a split formulation. The real question, the second half of the statement, I think, is very clearly understood. Everybody understands that beshamay b'silo. Is not a machlokus that stands. There's a gospel, uh, that said, we possibly like Beisilel. Beisilel was a majority. So Beishamai's considered, position is considered a rejected position, generally. So you can't say, in this case, I'm going to rely upon Beishamai, because they're not an opinion that you're allowed to rely upon. They've been rejected by the tradition. As opposed to Rabbi Akiva, whose opinion, when he argues that Rabbi Eliezer, Avdinon Kivase. So there are two ways to translate this. One way to translate it is, we may, do like Rabbi Akiva. The alternative is, we do like Rabbi Akiva. The first one opens the possibility. It says that there's a machlokas. It's not clear who we're going to paskin like. But, it is legitimate to say we might follow Rabbi Akiva's opinion in a case where he disputes, he is in a dispute with Rabbi Eliezer. That's a kind of a suffix formulation. A doubtful. The alternative way of reading it is that Rabbi Akiva, Muslim Rabbi Akiva, Eliezer, Avdina Kavasei, when there's a machlokas of Akiva and Rabbi Yadash, you know who we postulate? Rabbi Akiva. Because, halachak Rabbi Akiva mechadero. It's one of the rules of Psach that the Gemara offers in a number of places, particularly in Erevin. Think around Daphne and Bob, Daphne and Zion. Halachak Rabbi Akiva mechadero, avolo mechadero. When Rabbi Akiva is engaged in a one-on-one machlokas with some other Tana, we paskin like Rabbi Akiva. When he's arguing against the majority, when, this, when it's one against more than one, then we don't paskin like Rabbi Akiva. So it is conceivable to read this Gemara that we follow Rabbi Eliezer Shita, or Rabbi Akiva Shita, what's the Machlokas of Rabbi Eliezer, we follow Rabbi Akiva, which, by the way, would probably be the logical thing to do, just knowing the, these general rules of Psach, not just because of Rabbi Akiva, but because Rabbi Eliezer is often regarded as a fringe opinion. And his opinions were rejected in, I mean, not all of his opinions, but in the famous incident of the Tanuro Shalachnoi, when the, uh, with the, with the reverse flowing river and the walls of the base vendors fumbling and the heavenly voice that came out to say, uh, with all of that, that we don't paskin like Rabbi Eliezer at the end of the day, uh, and we, ge- and, and it's a general, we, we rarely paskin like Rabbi Eliezer, um, so it would be logical to say that, in fact, we're gonna follow Rabbi Akiva in this particular case. Now, 
if one were to do so, if one were to understand the Gemara this way, it would have actually further ramifications. It would not just address the Ravina and the Marbarabashi story, but it would suggest that even when it comes to Eretz Yisrael, despite what Rav says, and despite what, and you can't tell from what Ravina was doing, we should paschal like Rabbi Akiva against Rabbi Eliezer, even in Eretz Yisrael. Now, from the flow of the Gemara, I wouldn't necessarily suggest for this. However, when one looks at the riff, if you have the riff, the riff in, your, in the back of your Gemara, you can look at it, I'll read it, it's not, uh, it's not very long, the riff, uh, The riff, I believe, I, I'm not looking at the same edition probably that most of you are looking at in terms of the pagination, but the, the riff in my, in the, it, based upon what I can judge in the edition here, it should be, um, where was it? Um, on Chas Hey Amid Beis. It might even be at the top. I'm not 100% sure. I'll read you very briefly. Amarav Yehuda Amarav. That's exactly as the Gemara has it. He did not eat the avionos. That was the one thing Rav said he can't eat. Ravina as we just read in the Gemara, found Ravashi eating the kafris and throwing out the aviona. And the riff says, the riff says that that's how we paskin. You can't eat uh, the avionos, but you can eat the kavrisim. What the Rift does not say is that this only holds in chutzlarets. He doesn't offer that qualification. He says, you can eat the kavrisim, the kafras, you cannot eat the avionos. So the Ran, the Rabbeinu Yonah, the Tamidi Rabbeinu Yonah discussed this question, and he raises the possibility, given that the Rift omits any distinction between Eretz Yisrael and Chutzlaaret, perhaps the rift is Paskinan Rabbi Akiva with the reading that I just suggested. That when it's an Achlokas Rabbi Akiva Rabbi Yavazer, it's not that we can follow Rabbi Akiva, it's that we do follow Rabbi Akiva. So that's what the, Ra, the Tamid Debriona initially quotes. He doesn't, they don't really like it. They think that the rift didn't bother, it's hard to see that in the flow of the Gemara. And the Rift probably didn't bother explicitly distinguishing between Eretz and Kutzlarit because he had just quoted Rav and Marv Ravashi. Rav, you know, Rav had said, uh, Rav, well, Rav, Rav is, uh, you know, they're both talking in Kutzlarit. They're both speaking at Kutzlarit. And therefore he assumes that the Rift doesn't have to spell out for you the obvious. But that, that remains a question, what the Rift's stock was. Okay. So that, we're not done yet with the capers. Uh, we still have a little bit more to go. So now the Gemara asks the following question. It's going to challenge, we're on the top of Lamed Vavam and Beis on the third line. The Gemara is going to challenge uh, the assumption that the Kafrisim are not subject to the rules of Orla. Now the Gemara at this point accepts the premise that Kafrisim are not considered the pre of the caper. But the Gemara uh, says that there might be a different reason to consider it Orla, and this happens to do with things that are particular to the law of or, the laws of Orla themselves. So the Gemara now asks the following question. For Tefaklai, the Nasdeh Shomer and the Pre. The 
Kafrisin are a shomer. They protect the fruit. Now, this is where Rashi got the idea. I pointed this out last week. Rashi got the idea, and the Gemara seems to be assuming that here clearly, that the Kafrisin are not something different than Avionis. The Kafrisin, at one stage, somehow protect the Aviona, and we'll see the Gemara is going to say at a later stage it doesn't. So when you have a shomer lepri, something that preserves, that protects the fruit, even though it itself is not the edible part, it's not the fruit, certainly. The Gemara says it's, it's subject to the strictures of Aron. The Rachmana Amar, on the fourth line, the Aralpem or Laso Es Pirio, you shall make Orla, treat as Orla, its fruit, Es Pirio, Es Hatafel Lepirio. Es implies something additional, that which is adjacent to the fruit. Umaynihu, um, what is that? The Shomer Lepirio. So the Gemara says, I don't care if the Kafrisim themselves are not the fruit, they're a Shomer Lepri. And as a Shomer Lepri, they should be prohibited because of Orla. So even in Chutz La'aretz, even in Chutz La'aretz, even if you believe that the Kafrisim are not actually a Pri, and even if you believe that the Kafrisim maybe you would make Bari Pri Hadama on, nonetheless, you're not allowed, it's treated as Arla, because of Xerus HaKasim, you know, an, an additional point in, 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 the, in the puzzle. So, why would it be Muslim? So, the, Rabbah's going to take a few stabs at this. When do we say that something is considered a Shomer, particularly for the purposes of Arla? Only if it is on the fruit, both when the fruit is attached, detached from the ground and attached from the ground. But hacha, by the caper, the mechuvar isay betalosh leisa. It's only a shomer when it's attached to the ground, but before you, before you, when it's attached to the, the bush, but, be, but before you even get to harvest the avionas, the kafrisin are no longer a shomer. And therefore, for the purposes of Arla, in order to be considered a Shomer in the pre and subject to the rules of Arla, Rabbi suggests, it has to be a Shomer even after the fruit has been detached from the ground. So the Gemara says, Eisve Abaye. Abaye responds to Rabbi, challenges him as follows. Pitma shel rimon mitzarefes v'hanet shelo eno mitzare. So a little, uh, a little background is in order here. Uh, this is, by the way, I, and for some of you it might be your first introduction to Maseches Oktsin. Maseches Oktsin, some of you might might recognize. Lenny, I don't know if you've gotten there in your Mishnah peregrinations. Maseches Oktsin is the last Masechta in Shas. It's a little three-parak Masechta at the end of Seder Tahoros. And what a name for a mesechta. What is an oketz? An oketz is like the little thing that holds a food to the food to the tree. Um, you know, like think about the, I don't know which side of the apple. Like, I assume that little, you know, part when you sit the apple on its rear end, I assume that little wooden thing that you usually still have, and I think that's the part that's attached to the tree. Maybe someone who has had better. The esrog, right? The esrog. Uh, the S-Rogue, I don't remember. The S-Rogue, it is not the Pithom. It's the other side. Right, exactly. So that's how it's attached to the tree. Now, what is, so, wow, that's really, 
that's quite a thing. A Masechta got a name from a little, a little, you know, an anatomical piece of the, the fruit, if that's what we call it. So the subject of uksin is when you deal with a food uh, that is subject to to the rules of Tomavatari, a food that can become Tame, in order to become Tame, uh, you need to have a certain minimum amount. You need to have a Shi'ur. And the Shi'ur for a food to re- be susceptible to receiving Tama is a Kabeza. The question, there, there are two types of things that might not be part of the food, might not be part of a fruit or a vegetable, but might be attached to it, and each one has a different status with respect to Tuma. And I'll explain briefly. One of them is called a Shomer. And a Shomer means something that is attached to the fruit, let's say. It could be probably a vegetable, too. And it provides protection for that thing. It's Shomer. It guards it. The other one is called a Yad. A Yad, as you might understand, is a hand. In this case, it really means a candle. So you might, you could imagine that there are certain things by which you can grab a fruit or a vegetable, which is not the actual fruit or vegetable that's attached to it, and it's a convenient way of holding it. Now, when it comes to things that are a shomer, a shomer, well, let me do it the other way. When it comes to a yad, if I recall correctly, a yad does not complement the amount of a kibetza that's required for the item to be susceptible to receiving from us. But what a yad does do is if there is a sufficient amount of whatever the food is to be makabal tumah, there's a kabeza, and something tummy touches the yad, it transmits tumah into the food. So a yad transmits tumah, but it's not mitzari to the shear. I hope I'm remembering this correctly. It's been a while. The, the shomer both transmits tumah if something touches the shomer, and it adds up to the shear that's required. So, this brisa, or this, uh, this, this brisa that Abaye is quoting, the brisa is a Mishnah, um, it's a Mishnah, so that Abaye is quoting says that when you have a pomegranate, the part that's attached to the tree, now I think when you look at our pomegranates, by the time you look at them, there's nothing there. There's very little thing, a little tiny indentation, you can see the piece of where it would have been attached to something to the tree. So a pitna shorimon is mitzareth. It actually combines to the shear that is required in order the kibetza of pomegranate that in order so that the, so that the pomegranate will be will be makabel tuma will be susceptible to receiving tuma. The hanet shelo in a The nait is like the crown. If you go look at the opposite side of the pomegranate, and often when you buy pomegranates, you will see a, a piece of a nait is still there. Sometimes it's dried out and it crumbles and it disappears. The nait is not mitzari. And the way, as Rashi explains, the nates is also considered a shomer, but it's a shomer on top of a shomer. I don't know what the, what, what is below the nates and how you divide between that little crown and what's underneath it, but because it's a shomer on top of a shomer, it does not combine, uh, to the shear. It does not help complement the shear of a kibetza that's required. So that's data point one. So the Gemara says, Midika Amar, Hanates shelo ain't mitzari. If the nates is not mitzari, alma delat ochavim. Certainly not considered food. It's most certainly not food. And Rashi says it's a shomer the shomer. And yet, 
Vitanya Gabe Orla, with respect to Orla, Felipe, it's a, again a Mishnah in Orla, it's not Gabe Orla, Felipe Nimon, the Hanit Shemo, Felipe Egozin, the Hagarinim, Hayavim, the Orla. So what is this list here? Klipe Rimo means the peel of the pomegranate. Vihanet Shelo is the crown we were just talking about. Both of these, the peel of a pomegranate is obviously a shomer. That's pretty obvious that it protects the seeds on the inside. Then, Klipe uh, Agosim, the shell of a walnut, the Hagar Inim, and fits of fruits are all Chayev and Orla. So why would, why would a nate why would the mate be chayev in Orla? The only reason it's chayev in Orla is because es perio. It's a shomer. True, it's a shomer the shomer. Very nice, but it's still a shomer. But the Gemara is assuming, Rashi fills in, that sometimes the mate is not there when it's detached from the ground. It's only a shomer b'machubar. It's not shomer b'talush. So if you, Rava, are correct, that a shomer is only considered part of the fruit for Orla purposes, when it's a Shomer, even when detached, even when attached, when the fruit has been detached from the ground, well then guess what? The mates of a Rimon should not be high of it, should not be susceptible, liable in Orla, because it is not there when you detach it from the ground, or it isn't always there when you detach it from the ground. So Rub is going to have to modify his position. He's going to have to do it twice, actually. Um, but uh, for the moment, just one observation here. What bracha do you make on a pit? So your first response is going to be... On a what? On a pit. Oh, pit. Of a fruit. So your first response is going to be, like, reader, you're out of your mind. Nobody eats pits. So that might be true, although I believe... Isn't coffee made, the coffee bean, actually the pit of the fruit? I believe it is. So... um but if you process the pit, if it's a kind of pit that actually becomes edible, either as is, or uh, you manage to make it edible, so it would appear that it is actually, because we shown talked about this, but a pit is not a shomer to the fruit. It appears that the pit, if rendered edible, is considered part of the fruit, it's considered free. And that would be ha'etz, I believe that's how the shofanar postulates. When it comes to the other parts, the shomrim, even if you were to render them edible, it might be that you don't make, it's not actually the fruit, because that's why you need the Torah to say, es perio. It's not actually the fruit, but it's subsidiary to the fruit. It's tafel le perio. And those might not actually get the bracha of They might only get the bracha of adama. Because if it grows from the ground, but it's not the primary fruit, but people do regularly eat it, so then adama is going to be your likely bet. Okay. Anyway, that's that, that's the, that at least part of that that the the, the uh, pits are discussed in the top post. Okay, so now Rava has failed in the first attempt. So now Ella Amar Rava, Rava makes a second attempt. Hecha Amrina Demasu Lishomer Lepre Lepre, right? Hecha Deise Bishas Marpeva. It's only if it's there when the fruit is fully formed, when the fruit really comes in. However, high kafres lesa b'shas marapera. The kafresin are not there by the time you have something that's considered gemara pre. When it has the status, it doesn't mean the pre is fully grown. It means it has the shame pre already. The pre is nigmar. It might be very small. It might be that it's going to grow much more on the vine or on the tree. 
but it already has reached the stage that we considered a pre. So if it's not there when it reaches that stage, says Rava, then that's not considered a Shomer. It's not liable to Orla, and hence the Kafrisen, even though they are a Shomer to the Avionos. They're not a Shomer and when it's an Aviona. They're not a Shomer in the stage that when it is a pre, and therefore they're exempt from the uh, strictures of Orla. So now, and you got to keep your head on. Try not to like, get dizzy here. This is one of those cases where when you've read it enough times, you kind of get the flow of the Gemara. But the first few times through, it's just very, very hard to keep, a, 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 for me at least, to keep a, keep a, your eye on the ball. So the Gemara says, Dini, is that true that the Kafrisin are gone by the time the Aviona would become a priest? Is that really true? The Ha'amar of Nachman, Amar Rabba Bar Avuha. Rav Nachman said in the name of Rabba Bar Avuha, Hani Maskele the Orla. Rashi explains that Maskele, if you look over into the Rashi, about three lines up Maskele, Maskele betamre kekafres betlach. A Maskele is to a date what a Kafras is to a caperberry. So Maskele the Orla, Rav Nachman said, are awesome. You're not allowed to consume that part of the day. Hawil Vinasu Shomer Lepre. Because they are a Shomer Lepre. The Shomer Lepre, Amos Habe, when is the Maschale um, there? When, when is it still there? Uh, as opposed to it disappears at some point. Habe Bekufra. It's only Rashi says when the dates are very small. In other words, it's at a very early stage. It's at something that you're claiming. It's the same stage as the caperberry when the kafras is there. And you're claiming it's not a shomer. Rav Nachman clearly holds it's a shomer. Now, of course, the response could be, who cares? I argue on Rav Nachman, which in effect is what the Gemara says. Rav Nachman, Savar Rabbi Yosef. I'm sorry if this is now getting confusing. Rav Nachman holds like Rabbi Yosef, who believes that it's only, that at a very early stage it's already considered a fruit. And therefore, when the Maschale are on the date, and when the Kafres is on the caperberries, Rabbi Yosef believes that those, the caperberries and the dates at that stage, even though they're very small, are already considered a fruit. But, he holds like the Rabbanan. So, Vitnan, Rabbi Yosef Omer, Smadar Asim Reishu Pri. Smadar is at the earliest stage of the grape, and Rabbi Yosef says that Smadar is prohibited, uh, I presume uh, it's Orla, because it's already a fruit. The Rabbanan Pligyale, and the Rabbanan disagree with Rabbi Yosef, and therefore I, I, um, Rabba, hold like the Rabbanan. Okay, not done. Maskit la Rabshini minahardal. Rav Shimi Minhardel, let me tell you what he's about to do, because this is just lots of details, way too many details. I can see Josh is uh, ready to spit it back to me. He's got it all memorized. But for the rest of us, um, for the rest of us, um, what the Gemara is going to try to prove from this Brisa is that the Rabbanon who disagrees with you, you lost me before it got confusing. <laughs> okay, then maybe, maybe it'll double negative and make a positive. So the Gemara is about to try to prove from this Mishnah, um, that uh, the Rabbanan who disagree with Rabbi Yosef, who would say that Smadar 
that early stage of the grape is not considered a fruit, the Rabbanon believe that most fruits, as long as soon as Mishay Yotziu, as soon as the fruit is kind of just showing itself, which is what the caperberry is doing, what the date is doing, the Rabbanon already considered a pre, and therefore a shomer that's there at that time is a shomer in the pre. But they're going to prove it from a totally different topic, which is the following. Generally speaking, you're not allowed to cut down a fruit tree because of Baal But if the fruit tree isn't producing very much, or if the wood is very valuable, or if the tree is in your way and you want to build a skyscraper there and, 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 and earn a large profit, so then you're allowed to cut down a fruit tree. But if it's the Shemitah year, you're not allowed to cut down the fruit tree if there's fruit on it. Why? Because it's considered being mafsid peros shvias. You are damaging peros shvias, which are edible, and you're not allowed to do that. So even though, even though from the vantage point of Altashness, it would be permissible to cut down the tree, not in the Shemitah year. If there are no fruits growing on it yet, then it's okay to cut down the tree because you're not being mafsid. You're not damaging possibly the loss of peros shvias. So now the $64 million question. At what point in the Shemitah, at what point of growth are you not no longer allowed to cut down a fruit tree in the Shemitah year? That's the question. In other words, when are the fruits on a, on a tree considered fruits that the prohibition applies? So the Gemara, so, so Rav Shimi asked the question, Do the Rabbanan disagree with Rabbi Yosef by other trees? No. They disagree only by grapevines. And how does he know that? The Hatsunan. Because the Mishnah in Shvius teaches us. At what time, at what stage of growth in the Shvithia, what, what, what stage of the fruits? Are you no longer allowed to cut down a fruit tree? Any tree, including grapes, including anything, any fruit tree you can think of, as soon as Mishayotzeu. Rashi here writes Mishayotziu et hapri, the fruit. Rashi in Masechah Sachem writes, I think, Mishayotzi or something like that, the leaves or the perach or something like that. But, it, 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 but let's stick with Rashi here. As soon as the fruit is there, even in its smallest form, Beishamai says you may not cut down that tree in the Shemitah year because you're, you're damaging perish feeds. You're causing a loss of perish feeds. Ubeishilal Omrim, no. Beishilal says, not so simple. Buxer, when you see little chain-like things, I don't know what those are, because I, I think I haven't seen a buxer tree in probably 25 years. Um, what does that mean? The Gemara will explain in a moment. What is the stage of I don't really care, but that means nates, I mean some type of blossoming. Ushar they agree with Now, whose opinion is being represented here in Beisela's approach? Rabbi Yosei or the Rabbana? Remember, their machlokas is whether or not at the earliest stage, the smadar, what, there's smadar, there's boser, and then there are grapes. So at the smadar stage, the Rabbana say it's not a fruit. Rabbi Yosei says it is a fruit. Rabbi Yosef says it's subject to Orla. The Rabbanon say, Shmodar is not subject to Orla. So, when it comes to Peiro Shviyas, Beishamah, 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 
that the stage of becoming a fruit for a grape is girua, Misha Yigaru. So now the Gemara adds commentary to the Mishnah. The Amar Ravashi, Ravashi said, Hu Boser, Hu Garua, Hu Pol Halavo. So the last part makes no sense. Ravashi says, Boser and Girua are the same stage. Not Smadar, Boser. Boser is already considered a fruit. Now, then he said something about a white bean, Hu Pol Halavo. So the Gemara says, what are you talking about? What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? So the Gemara says, no, when is a fruit considered smadar? And that's also, called, uh, when is it considered boser? And that's also considered girua when it's the size of a white bean. Now, now, what is the upshot of all of this? Man shamisle the Amar Boser in Smadar Lo. The Tana of this Mishnah, who presents Beis Hillel's opinion, that by grapes, it's when it reaches the stage of Girua, Misha Yigaru, who is this Tana? Well, if Girua equals Boser, which is after Smadar, that means that Smadar would not be a fruit, and you could cut down that grapevine during the Shemitah year. But Boser, you can't cut down. Whose opinion is that? Not Rabbi Yosei, it must be the Rabbanon who disagree with Rabbi Yosei and say that only when it reaches the Boser stage, not the Smadar stage, only when it reaches the Boser stage is it considered a fruit. And what did the Rabbanon say for all other trees? The Katani, Sha'ar Kolha Ilanos, Meshayitzir. All other trees, as soon as the fruit becomes visible, which means dates, capers, as soon as the fruit becomes visible, it's considered a tree. Therefore, the maschale of the dates are considered shomer lepre, and the kafras is considered a shomer for the caper berry, for the avioma. And, that, and meaning, if that's the, what all this last few lines, to confuse us, was to demonstrate that the Rabbonon don't disagree with Rabbi Yosei by most fruit trees. They agree that as soon as the fruit is slightly visible, it's considered a fruit, and since the Kafrisen are still on the Avionos at that stage, the Kafrisen are a Shomer Lepre. The Rabbanon only disagree with Rabbi Yosei by the grapevine. They disagree about Smadar versus Boser, but no disagreement by other trees. And therefore, Rava is wrong when he suggests that the reason why a Kafris is not a Shomer, it's not because it's not there when the pre is there. It is there when the pre is there. Even at the earliest stages of the aviona, the kafras is a pre, and since the kafras is still there, it's considered a shomer the pre. So if that's the argument, the kafrisen should be subject to orla as well. So finally, the third time is the challenge. Ela amarava, hecha amrina and dahave shomer the pre. When is, is something a protector considered a shomer lepre. Hecha betisha kalte l'shomer mayis peira. Only if when you take away the shomer, the fruit dies, because it's not protected. However, hocha, by a caper, kik shakaltes le l'mayis peira. The aviona won't die. And now the Gemara tells a story. They did a botanical experiment, have a they took away the nates of the rimon, presumably when it was still attached to the tree, and the pomegranate dried out. 
dies. They took away the flower of a bitisa, which Rashi says in context is a another name for a caper bush. The ikayim uh, for, for for the aviona for the caper berry. The ikayim bitisa and the caper berry survived. So the conclusion then of Rava on the third try is that something is only considered a shomer the pre if it's a shomer the pre. But if the pre can survive without it, the pre doesn't need its bodyguard, and it's capable of surviving without the shomer, that's not a shomer for the purposes of Orla, and that's why you're allowed to eat the kafrisen, because it is not a sufficient level of shomer for the uh, caper berries, for the aviona, to be considered uh, subject to the rules of Orla. Okay. So, I know that is, this sequence, to demonstrate, you need to build a little building just to make the point, seems, is very confusing. But, but the, the, let me, let me just review what that last step was. The claim had been made that only Rabbi Yose believes that such an early stage is a fruit considered a fruit. And what the Gemara does, and that's, he's talking about Orla. What the Gemara does is invoke the discussion with respect to when is a fruit a fruit, so that you're not allowed to cut down a fruit tree in the Shemitah year because you're destroying Teh Roshvit. And the Gemara, basically everybody in this Mishnah holds, at least as this Mishnah presents it, that trees like the caper bush and the date palm are Mishayotim, when the fruit first shows. Now one might have been tempted to say, oh yeah, but maybe that's Rabbi Yossi's opinion. So what the, what the Gemara does, what Ravasi does, is demonstrate it's not Rabbi Yossi's opinion. It's Rabbanon's opinion. Uh, why? Because they say that a, that a grape vine, Misha Yigaru, that's the stage it's considered a fruit. And Ravas explains that Girua is the same thing as Boser, which is not Rabiose's opinion. Rabiose says already it's Madar, it's a grape. The Rabbanon would say only later, which is Boser. So this mission assumes it's only a grape when it's Boser, Misha Yigaru, and all of the trees are Misha Yotio. So which Tana is presenting the Machlokas Peshama Beselo? Not Rabbi Yosef, the Rabbanon, who say that only at Bosers are the grape. And these Rabbanon say that all of the fruit trees, Mishayotziu, which means that the date palm, Mishayotziu, the caper bush, Mishayotziu. Therefore, the kafris is on the, is on the caper berry, it is on the aviona, when the aviona is visible, and therefore it's a shomer lepre. At least according to Rabbi's definition at take two. And what Rabbi said that it has to be a shomer lepre, when the pre is actually a pre, not before the pre is there. So the final answer, rather than is, okay, forget it. To be a shomer the pre, it has to be truly necessary to protect the pre. If the pre can survive without it, it's not a shomer the pre. The end. Well, maybe not totally the end, because there's a line in parentheses. The line says, the hilchos the kamar baravashi, the zarak eshavionos, the achos hakafrisim. We ask him that you throw away the avionas, you can eat the kafrisa. Now that's nice for other purposes. What about the bracha? Now, now, if you remember, the, the bracha that we had seen said that on the, on the kafrisa and the avionas, you make ha'et, on the olam and the tavaris, you make adam. But in this parenthesis, it says, since it's not a fruit with respect to orla, where, at least in chutzlar, it's not treated as fruit with respect to bracha. So what emerges from this then is that the aviona 
is, is a fruit. It's subject to our lot, only in Eretz, even in Chutzmar, and you make a Bore Piyotin. However, the Kafrisen are not subject to Orla in Chutzlaaret, and therefore you make a Bari Priyadama because it's not a fruit. Now, where did this parenthesis come from? So a hint, it's in parentheses. So somebody's trying to tell us it doesn't really belong here. And there are some Aflokas Harishonim, whether it is true that if something is is not considered Orla in this case, it's automatically not a fruit and you don't make a Bari Priya H. Even the Rishonim who think that this is true acknowledge that this is not part of our Gemara. These, this parentheses, and this will happen a number of times in our parak, are the words of the Halachos Kedolos, the Baha'ik. Baalachos Kedolos, who was one of the major Ka'onim. We're not really sure who he was. There are a couple, at least a couple of different theories who he was. He probably lived in the 8th or 9th century. Uh, and he wrote probably one of the, maybe the earliest post-Kamutic Halachic work that we have. And a lot of the Halachas Kedolos' comments wound up in the Gemara. Not only here, but in other Mishachas as well. How did that happen? Well, actually, rather simple. Imagine that you're writing a Gemara, and, and as opposed to what Rashi did, or, or Tosas did, at least the way it's done on the page, instead of writing a commentary on the side, you interpolate your commentary into the Gemara. Think about, I, 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 never, I never actually used the art scroll. So I don't know for sure, but my impression, occasionally having just seen a page from afar, is that in the English translation, maybe I'm totally wrong, they'll put all the Hebrew words, and after all the Hebrew words, they'll translate and explain, and on to the next Hebrew words. Is that right? I don't remember, because I didn't look carefully. Now, there is no way that the art scroll commentary is going to become part of the Gemara, because it's fairly obvious where Gemara ends and art scroll begins. But that's because art scroll is written in English. And even if it were, even I'm sure there's an Israeli, there's a modern Hebrew, also art scroll. That which can more easily happen, the dialect is sufficiently different that it's not likely to accidentally wind up in the Gemara. However, the Gaonim, and especially the earlier you go, the truer it is, their language was, believe it or not, Aramaic. And their dialect was rather close to Babylonian Aramaic. So if you are Mr. Bahag and you are writing your commentary, and you are interpolating directly into the Gemara. In some cases, I believe, and we have this in manuscripts occasionally preserved, he would put in the word P-K-U or P-Rush, meaning telling you his commentary is beginning. So, without that word P-Rush there, the commentary of the Bahag looks an enormous amount like the anonymous layer of the Bible. And it is not hard to see how such a thing could experience emergence. There are cases where we can show things in our printed Gemaras where, which are actually Gaonic editions, and in some of the manuscripts, the word Peyush, or the abbreviation of the Peyush, is still there. And somebody accidentally didn't see the Peyush part, and would copy it over, and just copy it over as if it were part of the Gemara, because it looks like the Gemara. And therefore, just look at this language. You know, uh, if you took out the Behilchus part, which is often a tip-off of being late, it looks just like Bavli Aramaic, perfect Bavli Aramaic, because that's the dialect in which the Baha'i wrote. So we will have this a fair amount, uh, I think in this parak in particular, we have, I believe, a number of these, where these conclusions of the Baha'i wound up as part of our Gemara. But because it's the Baha'i, the Rishonim do not feel necessarily bound by it. You don't argue in the Gemara, but you can argue in the Gaon. And here, Tosos does exactly that. If you take a look at the Tosos, 
Dibar Maschel Behilchasa. It's the fourth Tosos. Now, they put this as the Dibar Maschel, but it's not really the Dibar Maschel, because Tosos doesn't believe these words are part of the Gemara. Tosos writes, the Haya Omer Haram, the Legabe Orla, La Perahu, Hainu Mishum, the Bechal Hamekel, Baaret, Halacha Kamosa Bechutlar. So the reason why we treat it not as a tree with respect to Orla is because of our rule that we make it outside the land of Israel to follow the most lenient opinion within the land of Israel. Aval Ba'aret, Vadai Habepira, in Eretz Yisrael, we're definitely going to treat the Orla, the, uh, the, uh, Kafrisen as Peros. We're going to make it usher for Orla in Eretz Yisrael. Umavarchan Allah, Ba'aret Priha and you're going to make a bari pesenik because it's considered a fruit. It's subject to arma. Ubebrachos lekachelikrein baaretz lochosmaros. Tosas says there's no distinction when it comes to brachos between what bracha you make if you're eating the food in Eretz Yisrael and what bracha you make on the food if you're eating outside of Eretz Yisrael. So Tosas does not obviously consider this. He considers this part of the Gemara a not authoritative, not uh, not binding, and b not correct. In other words, there can be a distinction sometimes between how the rules of Arla are being applied and how the rules of uh, Brachos are being applied. Um, most many we shown in the Chachmei Ashkenaz adopt this position. This is the position of Tosos. It's the position of the Rav. Um, the Tamidei Rebbein Yonah in the back of our Gemara uh, uh, defend this position even though he acknowledges it's not from the words of the Gaonim. He says the bottom line is it's not that in Eretz Yisrael it's Vadai a fruit and therefore you make a bread face. It's a suffix, whether the kakris is a fruit or not. So we're machmir with respect to Arla and Eretz Yisrael, and we are lenient with respect to Chutzlaret. But the fact that we are stringent in Eretz Yisrael is not because it's definitely a fruit. It's because it might be a fruit. And therefore, since whether it is a fruit doesn't change whether it's in Israel or outside the land of Israel, and since it's a suffix, we are always going to make a bari priyadama on the kafrisin, because a bari priyadama will satisfy the requirement that bari priyadama whereas the Bari Pre'ets will not satisfy the requirements of the Bari Pre'adama. And in fact, if you look in Shulchan Aruch, I don't even believe that the Ramah descends here, the Mechaber just says that the Kafrisen, wherever you eat them, you make a Bari Pre'adama, the Avionas, you make a Bari Pre'ets, because he accepts the principle which is articulated by the Halachos Kibbutz. Okay. Um, any questions? Is this the same principle that applies to to peel, like an edible orange peel or edible fruit peels, is it the same idea that it would be, it would not necessarily be boy prey? Well, it would be because it's subject to Orla. The Khalifa was certainly Orla. Some would have, would have argued, I think, that, that it's only a Shomer of the Prey, only S. Perio, uh, but it would appear, it would appear from the Gemara, it would appear from the Bahag that had the Kafrisen been, uh, had the Kafrisen been the kind of Shomer that would definitely have made it subject to Orla, even in Chutzlaret, that it would have been a Bari Priyais. And therefore, even a Shomer and the Pri, and I think that's, again, I, I assume that's, I think that's the passage from Orla, the Shomer and the Pri is going to be, is going to be considered Bari Priyais. If it, if it's Orla, Bain, Ba'aretz, Bain, Chutzlaret, it's not a Suffolk, then, uh, then, uh, you make a Bari Priyais on it. But that is most certainly stated, assumed by the Baha'i. But again, if the Kafrisen had been a Shomer, then even in Babel, they wouldn't have been able to eat it when it's Orla. And therefore, it would have been Barik Priha'ez. 
even though the cock race is like a peel. It, you know, it's not a peel because it doesn't have to be there the whole time. It's, a, it's not crucial for the Abiona, but it essentially is a peel. And on peels, the Gemara peels are most definitely a shomer and subject to the rules of Orla. But if you're eating it and it's not it's not typically eaten though, don't we usually say a shahako? So that's a different story. If it's not, that's why you say you told me an edible peel. Okay, but it's not okay. Right. Certainly, if someone peeled apples and then they want to eat apple peels, right? So we would most definitely say that's a bari priest. That's a subject to orla. except completely edible. People normally do eat it with the apple. All right. Any uh, any other questions?